0: everyone and welcome to the forward thinking podcast it's chrissy here on today's episode we have Sruti kumar who's the director of demand generation at trip actions before that Sruthi was actually at one of our clients at cs2 sendoso and i first got connected with her through uh, women in revenue um over the past two years we've stayed in contact and i look at Sruthi as being a great example of a marketer who has been in more of a traditional field marketer role, but has expanded that and is really epitome of a great integrated campaign marketer, um, especially throughout COVID. She's a great example of, you know, showing how, what it's like to be a resilient marketer. And really when you're faced with, you know, different challenges, how you can really drive pipeline, talk about that and, and you know, provide that for your team. So uh, welcome Struthi, thanks for being on. Thanks, Chrissy. And thanks for
1: the warm welcome. Excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I just gave a little bit of your background, but can you um, first, you know, start by uh, talking a little bit about your career and how you got to being a director uh, of Demand Generation now, but, you know, talk about your path before that, just to give a little background.
1: Yeah, of course. So um started as a, a marketing intern. So I was one of the few that just started right in the marketing org. And it was very exciting. Uh, I worked at, at an event tech company, then moved on to um, uh, more of a customer experience platform. Uh, a lot of predictive analytics and AI were involved. And this was uh, before the AI was the, the hottest term in the industry. So that was really exciting too. And then um, moved on to IT analytics. Uh, and then I found myself at Sendoso. And for those of you who are not familiar with Sendoso, um, they are sending platforms, so direct mail, sweets, treats, uh, booze, perishable items, anything that's really going to move your uh, relationships forward in the business world, um, and so supporting marketing and sales teams, and so got lucky to meet you during that part of my journey. Um, I was the first marketing hire there, so I wore many hats, um, but then eventually fell into the realm of field and partner marketing, and throughout my three and a half years there, uh, built a lot of uh, you know skills and and it, and opinions around integrated marketing. Um, and now I have recently just started at TripActions, and so if you're not familiar, uh, TripActions is uh, the leading cloud-based travel and expense platform that combines industry-leading technology with the best-in-class uh, travel agency service. And so if we have time, I can definitely get into some of my best moments as a TripActions customer. So excited to actually be here as an employee now. And uh, like you said, I'm Director of Demand gen, and I'm supporting growth for our TripActions Liquid product. It's our company's spend management solution. So really excited to uh, you know move from uh, customer experience to IT analytics, to uh, MarTech, and, and now more in FinTech. So excited to wear a new hat here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's very exciting. And I, I, I see like, you know, I'm happy for trip actions. I bet you're going to do a lot of amazing things, especially with a new product. And, you know, your last role being a first marketer, Sendoso, a growing company that definitely has evolved in your time there. So I'm um, excited to see what you'll do there. Um, so to kick it off, I wanted to first have you chat about the role of the field marketer and how that has changed and how a successful field marketer um, can has evolved, you know, during COVID and being into more of a integrated marketer because obviously, you know, you you did that. You were doing that even before COVID. And I think a lot of marketers kind of were forced to take suit during that. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how that's changed? Like what is the role of a field marketer? What's the goal for them? And what are the campaigns they're working on?
1: Okay, cool. So this is going to be a little segment of the history of field marketing. Uh, so I'm going to take you back. And so really the original field marketers were located in business centers based on HQ initiatives. So they're Running, telling the stories in each of their geos, um, and so you had your field marketing by geo supporting that field sales team, and um, field marketing was very synonymous with events. And so you move forward a little bit, and um, because this was the point of view even before the pandemic hit, this was not you know pre-pandemic, and then uh, then it was this crazy shift right at the pandemic. It was a gradual shift um, yeah. that some people felt, and some people were already adopting, being like maybe. You know the field marketing team doesn't need to be by geo but you know just one one marketer's opinion um and so uh then you move a little forward into the pandemic and uh, or right before the pandemic and you started seeing field marketers not being limited to just events and I truly thought that a field marketer was already giving a very digital journey. So I mm. I wish I could have a graphic right here to walk you through it, but I will walk you through it. So it'd be digital touchpoint, digital touchpoint, digital, t- digital touchpoint, break with the physical touchpoint, and then digital again. So that would be, um, you know, you're going to a conference and- you're uh, sending out a marketing email being like hey we have a free code to this conference you guys should come then you have a social tweet you have an sdr outreach you have a phone call but these are all emails and phone calls all digital and then the break from this digital experience for your prospect or customer was actually just the physical event and then you know, you do follow up and you are back to digital. You you have your marketing email, that blanket email that goes out. Thanks for attending. We were so happy to meet you. Um, and then you have your personalized SDR outreach going out. And that is, I mean, that's truly a digital journey. And so yeah. as we go into the pandemic, what we saw was there was no break in uh, with a physical um, part of that journey. It was just digital. And that's where, uh, you know, field marketers started really employing direct mail and other things that they could send that would be the physical part of that journey. So if people were doing a virtual event on a video conferencing tool, they could use they could employ sending wine to accompany that experience that's happening online. And so that would have been the break. So now we're venturing to this point where in person's back and so Now, you know, business travels back, um, we can bring back that in person element. And so the field marketers, the field marketers role has fundamentally changed. And I have a hunch that really successful field marketers will be the ones to employ a hybrid approach with the in person and physical elements, which were all our pre COVID tactics. So setting up meetings at a booth, Having really high-touch VIP events surrounding a trade show or conference, along with the digital components that the field marketer would have mastered during this last year and a half, um, you know, being limited uh, to just virtual experiences. So that is that is yeah. kind of my uh, view of how the field marketer's journey has changed.
0: I I I, I like that you broke that down for everyone because I think. I think it's a good point that it was evolving before COVID. I think we saw that, you know, because even, you know, before everything was so traditional, you go to a trade show, you would, you know, get your leads there. And then, but I think um, that kind of slowly declined because the, you know, it, it was more for the company to figure out how can you do more? How can we engage with a prospect before they even get there? How can we get them excited about actually going and visiting us? Like, how can we be targeted? I think ABM played a a role in that too, because we have to then work with a sales team or figure out how do we get the right people? Because, you know, you do a trade show, you go in blind, like you might be just subject to whoever happens to stop by your booth, that's not going to get you the great results that you need. So it needs to be a bit more targeted than that. Right. So then you're focusing definitely way more before that to draw, you know, and and like you said, it's a lot of digital touch points to get there. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you said ABM too. I have um, a a boss from a past life that would equate field marketing with ABM and um, he'd be like, okay, well, we're, we don't have a true ABM initiative, but you're, you, you know, you're doing ABM. And I'd always be like, yeah, I guess you're right. Because we're going to this event. We, we kind of maybe know who's going to be there based on our past presence there, um, which I will say is hard when uh, you're an early stage company and you've never done those events before, but <laughs> you end up building it and, and then you get there. Um, but then you kind of target that list and then you can show up to the event and, and events are so, in-person events are so expensive. And so yeah. you're also trying to drive major business value before, during and after. Otherwise, if you're just going to show up and be like hey hey all we're here um you're not going to get the roi on that huge investment and you're going to have a lot of uh business leaders and executives kind of asking why should we do another one Um, and so also as the field marketer you have to be uh and i think this continues pre post and and now Past pandemic is you have to be the advocate for why an event is going to work. Uh, You're flying people out. Uh, There's a lot of TNE involved. So how are you going to justify that um, to you know your CFO and COO and and CMO, which are all the you know the executives that probably care what's what's
0: going on. Totally, that's a good point too because I think yeah, events and I think traditional events were so you know so expensive and that does. Put a lot of pressure on it. Like I've, always, whenever I've worked in the past, and I've had you know demand gen roles and have selected events, and it, it was always what caught the eye of like the CEO. Like, what are we doing at that event? Like, how are we making sure you know? Because, because they look at it as a massive investment, but also a massive presence, um, uh, you know, opportunity. And so, it's very rarely do you get the CEO coming by and say, "How are PBC ads going?" You know. <laughs>
1: Um, not as flashy right a lot of uh there's a lot of um excitement behind it and you actually also get to be this person within the company that's um putting all your, it's all your spirit in there. Like, um, yeah. you know, you think about being in college and going to, you know, weekend football games and stuff like that. This is the same thing. You have everyone wearing your team colors. You have everyone uh, drinking the Kool-Aid and, and giving out the swag. It's, it's really exciting. I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm, now I can't wait to get back in person. That's really exciting. Just excited myself about going back to in-person trade shows. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a very, I think it's that, you know, wanting to get, but everyone's craving, you know, human interaction. Um, But bridging into the next part, I think it would be interesting to go through um, you talking and you can maybe give an example of something, an integrated campaign that you built maybe at Sendoso um, or, you know, the give a broad example, but what do you think makes a great successful great campaign around an event? Like you talked through those touch points, but, um, especially one, a, like a virtual event, maybe talk about that first and how you actually, cause I think when everyone moved to virtual, right, it was hard. Like, how do we get people to just get an, on another video conferencing event really, but it ha- it didn't look much different than the calls they were doing all day long. So, you know how do you get their attention but also everyone's doing them because everyone was like mm-hmm. trying to figure out so what was something that you did or, and as far as like creating that whole campaign to actually create a an experience and also ensure that your prospects actually went to your event Okay, great. So I
1: can talk about all of this. <laughs> so um, so first of all, just in a higher level, a successful campaign is something that you can get your whole team to rally around. Um, and then with that, we'll follow the numbers, right? Um, because you have your AEs, your SDRs, your CSMs, and, and the rest of your marketing team really rallying around this. There is no way that you're not going to get value out of that. Um, and so the field marketer can still master using events to drive pipeline and revenue but we need to make sure that we're using multiple channels around this to, around the event, um, to drive to the event, to drive aware, like, and to send the same message around the event. Because if there's someone who isn't visiting your landing page for your event, maybe they'll hear you on a podcast. Maybe they'll see, read a blog of yours from LinkedIn. Like there's so many different ways to get this message out to the same person. And so some of those tools can be, direct mail, surprise that you said that I said it, I'm surprising everyone, but <laughs> direct mail, emails, social, um, roadshows to accompany a large event. So obviously this is, that one's more in person, but digital ads, SDR um, and AE outreach, CSM outreach, um, content, blogs, PR. Um, even when you're thinking about your go-to-market team, definitely don't limit it just to SDR, AE, CSMs. Like at Sundoso, we had an account management team that handled a lot of our customer relationships. So that was a team we would go to a lot too. So there's so m- there, it's kind of endless, um, possibilities and it really depends on your company's brand and what, what has worked and also what channels work for you. And then are you yeah. guys, well, do you guys have the money to, to test out and try something different? Um, but essentially you're just trying to hit your target audience with the same message in multiple channels. And, um, This doing this virtually was uh, living and learning when we did it at Sundoso. So uh, we while during my time there, we did three large scaled virtual events every other quarter. So that was um, May 2020, uh, then September 2020 and then most recently, March 2021. Uh, So those were three big ones and just the changes and everything we learned from, you know, May 2020 to September 2021 was massive. Uh, First of all, early on. we got really lucky. We were um, capturing the momentum of how much people wanted to learn and they didn't really care how anymore because there was a novelty of being able to join an event um, in your house, slippers and your robe and no one needs to see you, (laughs) Um, right? And no, there was this novelty early on in the pandemic of. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool working from home. This is kind of fun. I don't mind working at my kitchen table, um, you know, and then there was a point where we all kind of up leveled our, our home offices because um, we're like, uh, my back hurts and and why is this happening? But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so kind of that shift that happened to September 2021, we realized we really, really have to be cognizant of how we're getting this message out. And so our most recent, uh, Sendosa's most recent virtual event was connected. Um, we, outperformed uh, our other programs uh, that we had done virtually before, like just hit it out of the park, hit it out of the water. It was crazy. We had 18 paid sponsors um, and we'd mm. gone from having 12 non-paid sponsors early on in the pandemic. And so even just realizing that people were going to pay or our partners were going to pay us to to have them there, it was um, kind of a massive validation. And we had blogs, we had PR go around it. We had a, an excellent director of corporate marketing who helped tell our story. Um, we actually had a paid, we had paid speakers. So we had Jenna Friedman um, who most recently just uh, won an Emmy I think for writing Borat too. So that was pretty cool. Um, and and Seth Godin, uh, big fan. If if you guys can yeah. go to an event where he is speaking, definitely tune in, you won't be disappointed. Um, you can also watch uh, the on-demand version of Seth Godin on Sendosa.com. So <laughs> you can go check that out too. Um, Um, there may or may not be a shout out for me on there so it was it was pretty cool that was a highlight of my career and highlight of my time uh, with that event as well and uh what else would oh we did a lot of direct mail um we sent out uh, a lot of incentives and so that's a really good way to incentivize people to come is uh if you're the first 200 people to log on they got a um the connected themed puzzle, it, um, you have to create a lot of FOMO. So that's fear of missing out. And you want to also create this one of a kind experience. And so even before going into the pandemic, um, our field marketing strategy was actually to have, um, uh, branded swag at events that were only available at that one event. And so Mm. what we were seeing were people coming up and were like, oh, we have three pairs of your socks and we love them. Great but it's all the same design um, because we saw them in another uh, trade show. That's, that's cool. But you know, what if someone was like, I wanted something new. And so it also created more of a a kind of excitement to actually come and and meet with us. And so we employed that same tactic as we went into virtual. Um, We did uh, VIP events. We did, you know, wine tastings. There's the sky is the limit um with virtual it's also nice because uh there's some things you can pre-record there's Mm -hmm. some things you can do live and you can also kind of employ those um moments too to incentivize people to come be like hey this paid speaker who you is you're going to learn a lot from is actually live and you can ask live questions and so there's a lot of uh you know different different things we can do Uh, we did paid social we did massive amounts of emails. Um, Email was our biggest driver for registrations. And um, all of those included uh, cameos from, uh, you know, top celebrities. We had uh, um, e-gifts. So if you signed up from that email, you would get a DoorDash gift card. So there were a lot of different uh, plays there that we had. And um, we ended up going into the first, we ended up going into our second week before the event already of hitting our reg goal. And so we had a stretch reg goal and we hit that too. And so it was a uh, super validating and amazing. Um, Cause just for the event before we'd been struggling to get to our, um, our, a really large goal we'd given ourselves. Um, so this was, this was great to see that happen. And and it was because of our integrated approach hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And he, for, first of all, that's amazing. I think for a lot of marketers, like, I think the key here is to, to focus on like how do you just, you know, have an exponential like effect on it? Like how can we add more or what else can we do to kind of um, boost our, you know, activity or engagement or create this experience? And that's one of the benefits too, like you said, like field marketers before were um, moving away from being regional, but now with these types of events like connected, there's no sense of region, right? Like people, I mean, yes, there might be certain regions like globally that can't attend because of the time zone, but but really like you're hitting so many people, your speakers you can reach out to has expanded, your prospects you're reaching out to expanded. So instead of, like you said, doing like a road show of like 10 different locations and that requires a lot of logistics, you can actually focus on one, but that also means that it sounds like you can do a lot more just for that one event and being creative around creating smaller experiences or engagement or touch points that feel more personalized outside of that but the the thing that comes me i'll go ahead and
1: oh well, uh, cool. and one of the things I missed out on saying was actually being really uh the message that you're telling should be really in line with even what pmm is coming or what product is coming out with what um updates so connected that one of the big themes was kind of tied in with a major release we had just had. And so it became very relevant for uh, not just our prospects, but our customers who had just heard this recent, um, you know, recent product updates. And so uh, you can't really discount uh, working with, uh, being integrated with any team, Um, obviously, uh, you know, content and digital comes to mind pretty quickly, but uh, there's so many other teams that if, if you're uh, coordinated with and and speaking to, it, it kind of pays off at the end.
0: Yeah. Well that that's actually what I was going to mention was actually around alignment cuz what what was the what's something that you do to kind of set that stage or, or get like the different teams on board for supporting this initiative like do you start out with like a planning meeting and invite those different teams like especially with sales like they're busy but like they can obviously you know reap the rewards from what you're doing but it's oftentimes you know, are just focused on whatever is in front of them, which is their current pipeline. But how do you kind of pull in those different teams that need to be part of this campaign? Like, how and how do you instill that alignment?
1: So it's definitely every person in the company and, and your team can work towards this. So it was definitely a joint effort between, um, our CMO and, you know, the, the rest of the directors on the team and the people that are actually like doing the work, um, you know, in the team. So uh, our CMO played an important role as they were getting executives on board and and doing that. And then also me being, an, again, the field marketer needs to be the advocate for the event and being like, hey, we're going to get sponsor money, but we also need to put in our own money in order to drive this much more. Um, and then also pulling in. Um, imp- I, I think one of the big things is identify the sales leaders and the CS leaders and even the individual contributors that know how events and programs pay off. And then they can be your like kind of internal secret cheerleaders as they're talking to their peers of like, Hey, why should I invite people to this event? Um, Hey man, I, I, Hey, I closed a bunch of deals from the last one we did, or, you know, I had a lot of, um, you know, meetings booked from the, like, you know, the SDRs are like, I had a lot of good traction from the people that attended. So, you know, the more we can get people to register, then more people will attend because that's just percentage wise. So, um, I think having internal advocates were really important from the IC into the executives. Um, and so that's one big thing for alignment and yeah, I started off with just calls. Um, and I, uh, individually, uh, reach, we were in a small enough organization where I could individually reach out to and be like, Hey, I'm, we're doing this. This is the date need you to help, help me rally the team. Um, and we would also, uh, uh, we, you know, I think a lot of teams did this move into a more, uh regular cadence, uh, all hands, uh, not just quarterly, but maybe monthly, uh, for us at Sendosa, it was weekly. And so we would, um, actually send out gift card, e-gift cards to top performers of the week of who invited the most. And this would s- sca- uh, scale the entire team from our alliances, SDR team to um, AEs and CSMs and AM. So, uh, and it was fun and people liked having, uh, you know, something to look forward to and be like, am I going to win this week? Um, and then as we, you know, moved to larger organizations, like the one I met now, um, we have a large in-person, uh, not large, but I think we have, our largest, um, event coming up in September. And so we're actually going in person. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, but you know, once you're at bigger brands too, people know how to, you know, people kind of join the company knowing, Hey, this is going to come up and it's going to be really exciting. So creating that excitement within the team too, of like doing giveaways and, um, talking on every all hands that you can, whether it's just to a sales team or to the whole company. And it's, um, I'm kind of watching from the sidelines now, um, not being the one who's running lead. And I'm watching our uh, director of field marketing and events um, go on and and join every call she can and and plug it in. And it kind of exists on every slide that we're presenting. And um, it's been really cool uh, to see that happen. Yeah. No, but I,
0: I think that's great I, I, and it will be interesting I think for you to maybe not be in that role but know like that you know seeing it firsthand and um, that's that's very interesting. The one thing I wanted to pick up from what you're talking about too like you you slightly touched on talking about pipeline or like the, the ROI or revenue from your events especially around Um, like in-person events are expensive, but I want to dive into, I think you are an example of a, you know, revenue and pipeline focused marketer. And I think for some, for some folks, especially if they're more started through field marketing and, and that was a lot of events that they were working on, they don't feel as comfortable talking about pipeline or even looking at reports for it or even, you know, revenue, and sometimes that can be a bit intimidating for them. But how do you think marketers can feel more comfortable looking at the data? Or what are some things you've done, like, you know, maybe working with your marketing operations team to provide you some reporting or insights that can really help you make decisions, know where to invest your time, your money, um, and maybe decide, you know, where to improve certain campaigns or which campaigns to not do? Okay,
1: cool. So the, I can talk about this in like a larger picture and then I can get more tactical of how hopefully maybe there's field marketers out there or leaders that lead field marketing teams that can kind of pick up on some of this. But when business leaders put the field marketing team in a box for just events, there is a massive value add that's being missed for um, First of all, uh, if you take a look from the outside of what field marketing provides to the business, uh, we just talked about this, large user conferences, that's a huge part of your brand. Um, and also um, a huge place of where people know that <clears throat> there is going to be business <clears throat> added at you know after that uh, program happens. And then also segmented programs. So thinking of this ABM approach for geos, verticals and segments, um, Ie like me supporting the growth of, of one of our products um, and not doesn't discount how much I should know about the, the rest of what we're selling, but it's always good to have segmented programs. So both of these, no matter what scale they are, are actually vessels to carry the brand and demand. And by marrying brand and demand strategies, you're essentially gonna drive more pipeline, um, especially when you're marrying it with other channels as well. And Mm -hmm. so I just don't really feel that revenue and other success metrics should be siloed to just the mops and demand gen teams. Um, I think different departments and not just field marketing, but other teams can all be empowered to think of end line metrics. So, um, you know, how do impressions from PR turn into opportunities? I'm I know just from watching, that's kind of a hard uh, place to be, but there are ways to tell that story still using data. Um, And so specifically for field marketers or anyone who executes programs, uh, start with the goals. And so this is where I'm going to move more into my tactical advice. Don't just be like, we should have an event. You know, someone on this podcast said, you know, events are really important to drive brand. We should do events. Start with the goals. What is, look at your, look at your business goals, and then work backwards. How much pipeline do we need to build in order for the sales to close that amount in order for us to get to this end number? And what can we do from this program? And so uh, just before approaching anything, think about the business value you need to drive from it. And then the next big pillar, which I don't wanna discount is the experience. So when you build an incredible experience, it's easier for you to get your team to rally around. And um, when your team, feels like they can rally around it you can use all the levers at your disposable uh disposal to drive registration or downloads or whatever that cta is and while you're running these programs um i think for me what i learned in three and a half years at sendoso i we had a really strong um mops leader and so she would sit down with me and be like you know this is the way i would look at the data and so So use, you know, we all come in with our different strengths. And so being able to use that and be like, Hey, how can I learn from my team members? Um, This is maybe not, I'm not. That is really cool that you said that I'm a data-driven field marketer. That makes me feel so proud because it's still an insecurity of mine. I still don't feel like that is the quickest language in my head, and so um, having the conversations with the people around you who are strong at that is really important because they will see things the way you don't see things. And so one of the things that she empowered me with was actually dashboards um, to each event, so each program that we were running, and also overall. So very quickly I could then look at all this information and then be more fluent when i was talking to our executive team and that's when people feel like oh our investment matters here we got to keep using events events was a huge part of our brand at sendoso and now um it's actually been one of the easiest transitions for me now to be part of the demand gen team um where everyone lives off of our metric docs and to come in seeing the same type of dashboards built for each of our segments um, and so i think uh, you know, it's different for everyone. Some people are, are going to hate me if I say I look at my MQL number. <laughs> um, people are going to be like, I, I can't listen to anything else she said. She believes in MQLs, but each team is, um, you know, kind of measured differently. And so uh, we look at at Sendosa, we looked at um, influence pipeline created or uh, influence closed one. And we also looked at first touch, last touch Pipeline, first touch, last touch, closed one. As you know, because uh, we worked with you as well on this. Um, and a lot of the, it was like how to tr- find attribution from, you know, events. Um, and now at Trip Actions, it's a lot of the similar numbers. We look at our uh, MQLs, we look at uh, meetings held, we look at uh, sales qualified opportunities. So those are the big numbers that I'm starting my day with every morning, being like, okay. what what does our segment look like this morning? Um, What were the recent programs that we ran? And then going into each campaign report um, and actually looking at, uh, wow, we got a lot of MQLs from this. So why haven't we had any squos come from this? And then actually individually clicking into those and being like, what happened? Um, And and what are the conversations happening? And I think there's probably some people out there who are gonna be like, that's really tactical, but that's why you have big teams. And that's why you have team members that, um, you know, can do this. And if it's something, and if you're a small team, um, I was there three and a half years ago, we were, I was a team of one and then two and then three. (laughs) So, you know, we were a small team for a long time. And, um, I think once it's in your DNA, um, it's easy to scale, uh, that Mm -hmm. metric and data-driven approach. And because one of our early hires was mops focused, um, in her profession and also just personality, uh, it kind of was in our DNA just the same way, um, events was in our DNA because I was there. So, um, I think that's one of the things you can do kind of like pull, pull the, um, you know, intelligence and, and point of views from the people around you. Totally. And I
0: think that, I think that's good. Like you, you're, because you're one person, right? And I think the thing that I pick up here is like, how do you best leverage the people around you? How do you find your champions? How do you find resources that can help, you know, help you make these decisions? And I think, you know, partnering with your marketing ops person or someone who's close to the data, even if you don't feel comfortable, just having those conversations, like, you know, saying like, even do you have like an office hours or can we just schedule some time on like a Friday and you can, you know, start out and we can first talk about it. Then maybe it can get some of your time to help build a dashboard when you have it. And, and like, you know, slowly start from there, but I think finding that, you know, expert and then learning from them, I I think um, is, is key. So I love that. And, And having those dashboards too, like, don't just feel like you have to make decisions blind. Like no one on the marketing team should feel that way. Like you should be making improvements or data driven decisions. Um, even if it's just simple, like you said, like if it's MQLs, so that's an early metric on if you're even getting the right people to your events or you know mm-hmm. responding to your campaigns. Um, that's not a bad metric. But then beyond that, you know, you can get some simple influence pipeline reporting out of like Salesforce pretty easily if you're leveraging campaigns. So you don't need to there's always a way to pull some data to tell a story and um but totally. finding people that can help you do that i think it's a good good spot um yeah. okay so we only have a few minutes left but i did want to end with um talking about expanding uh your skill set and also uh you know i think you have a personal goal of being a cmo one day I, I, I feel very confident that's probably gonna happen. Um, y- you know, and you're on that path. But what do you think has helped you expand your skill set in marketing? You've done so much, you've been early hires and and now working in a, a larger company, but what do you think are some of the ways you expanded your skill set and or other like mentorship opportunities or something you've had that you feel has been um really helping you with your career trajectory?
1: So yeah, it's, it's no secret. My North star is uh, to be a CMO one day. And so one of um the things that I always felt was, you know, how do I get there with events? I love events and it's actually, uh, I think you can already, if you're listening to this and you don't know me, I think you can kind of get that, like, I'm pretty outgoing. Um, and so it's kind of in my personality to be kind of talkative, <laughs> um, and really, really, um, I, I love, you know, going to events and and doing all of that and, and networking as part of that. And so, um quickly, I realized <clears throat> I needed to talk to people that maybe had similar journeys as me. And um so luckily, my uh our ceo at sendoso and co-founder chris rudy grap has this really great advisor program that he started building and and one of the things i learned from him was actually networking and and really how to leverage those conversations to um you know benefit other people but also benefit me and so i started looking at people and i started seeing very quickly that a lot of CMOs didn't have a path from field marketing. I actually saw a stronger path from product. Um, and, Mm. and then demand gen was the next one. And so, um, which I think could be argued and and that could be a later conversation, but I was like, how do I get there? And so I started just talking to people. And, um, one of the conversations that, and I don't think she'd mind me shouting her out is Latney, uh, from six Sense. She came from field marketing and she's a CMO today and, and has been, uh, leaders of marketing teams before that as well and so um she's kind of the one who started putting it in my head like you need you being a field marketer is being an integrated marketer and how do you bring people together and how are you driving revenue like that's the CMO's job right and so today now when i think about what it is to be um a CMO uh you know i realized for being a field marketer, I was able to take myself out of that box um, of just using one channel. And so in my case, that was obviously events. And I was able to see the larger picture of how all the channels worked together. Um, and, you know, I also think that field marketing allowed me to be cross-functional as we're talking about how do you get the whole team rallying around one kind of big initiative um, that, you're, that your company is spending money on. Uh, it allowed me to be cross-functional and think of campaigns and programs from like start to finish. so like what are the goals? what's pre-event? what are the logistics of the of the program? what is the day of look like and then post event? And um, it also helped me learn budget <laughs> management. And so when I think about being a CMO, I think about first of all uh, all the tactical stuff, you know budget management being cross-functional, driving business value, and being the one in the room and the table that understands brand, demand, growth opportunities, and product positioning all together, and then also being just, I think, good person and like being a good leader and someone that people want to follow and feel excited mm-hmm. about working with you every day. Um, and so uh, one of the one of the big things was networking and also just like going out to different communities and trying to talk to people. And so that was uh, Pavilion, um, which were formerly known as Revenue Collective, uh, Women in Revenue, which is where we met, um, and just volunteering for things and trying to chat with people. And so I think that's my biggest advice for anyone out there who um, wants to be a CMO one day or any type of, um, you know, I have friends who want to just be, uh, any VP and, and on the marketing team, you don't have to be wanting to be a CMO, but there's so many amazing ways that you can go out and reach out to people to learn and, um, to expand your, um, you know, knowledge base and network along with that. So.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think also we, we, it's sometimes yeah, you're outgoing, but for, for people who aren't as outgoing, it can be a little bit you know, a, a daunting task to like network, but there's so many different type of networking, um, examples and activity that can just be finding a, a really strong mentor. You know, there's a lot yeah. of different communities that do that, you know, women in revenue, you know, connects people. We have a Slack community, the pavilion, like you said, revenue collective has opportunities for, for that too. So, um, you, or take to... a
1: friend, take a friend yeah. who can work for the room because I have been that
0: friend <laughs> for my,
1: you know, my counterparts who aren't as outgoing as me. I a hundred percent know that not everyone is an extrovert. So, um, try to, to find someone in the room that looks like, uh, they're friendly and, and can take you along for the ride or go with a friend already. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, and I, I think that's how we met too. So just networking <laughs> activities can just, you know, be a blessing, but, um, we are out of time, but I want to say thank you so much, Sruthi. I think you have provided so much insight and really like inspiration to um, some field marketers or integrated campaign marketers, any marketer really like to start, you know, you so, you have so much enthusiasm and excitement that you bring to what you're working on and how to make things better and how to work, uh, you know, cross-functionally, which I think are, um, uh, you know, amazing traits of a marketer and what we need today, right? We're one team moving toward a common goal. And I think in some ways that gets lost, but thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much, Chrissy. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who want to learn more about Sruthi, we'll link to her LinkedIn um in the description of the podcast and if you enjoyed today's episode feel free to share it with your friends and we'll see you on the next episode of forward thinking have a good one